Beach milk. Beach milk. Bajalk. Beach milk. Badger's milk. I sometimes the uh, sometimes the file names for the raw files that become these episodes have interesting titles and. Abe chose to call, I think, the template or some an email attachment, Beach Malk. And that lets you know what we're talking about today if he thinks about it. Hey, everyone, it's Michael Swaim inviting you to join us, why don't you, for a frame rate, the show where we rate frames. You here with me, buddy? Are you here in the dark? I'm here. Hooray. I'm here. Hey, My yeah. buddy came. What's your name, dude? I'm Abe Epperson. I'm the other co-host. You coined the phrase "beige milk." <laughs> beige milk. Thanks for that. Uh, mm-hmm. In reference to being John Malkovich, which I I gotta say, frankly, in a lot of ways, is my Star Wars. Really? And I'll explain what I mean by that after Ooh. we introduce our very special guest, who, of course, you know who it is. He's got to be back because we're talking Charlie Kaufman. Anytime, Everyone. Kaufman. Brooksy's back. It's Brooks Brown, babies. Hey, Thank dude. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Thank you so much. And of course, I'm back. We wrote me this nice little note saying, hey, there's another Kaufman movie. And by the way, there are others, if you haven't realized. We still need to talk about But of course, I'm going to show up for this one. Jesus. Full Don't disclosure. Try to get your job before you've done that's your job. Right, that's right. <laughs> no, I say go for it. Overreach, yeah. man. Stretch for the stars. Stretch. We're the stars. Uh, I th- this this almost if we were less cowardly and more uh, you know uh, intellectually courageous would have been. I'm thinking of leaving you or whatever it was called. Why? <laughs> because I think that we thought that film. Wait, what is it? I'm thinking of leaving. No. I'm thinking of ending things. Yes. Boom. Got it. Uh, Because that's the more recent release, Kaufman release. And I think it was intellectually very challenging and abstract and somewhat diffuse in the way that it was Kaufman at the end of his, like he's full Kaufman, you know, right now Mm -hmm. in real life, we're living through an era of Kaufman as Kaufman. Whereas I would argue that being John Malkovich is Kaufman coupled with Spike Jones, which is a very important factor. Also, mm-hmm. trying to make something that would earn him the acceptance of Hollywood and like the career that he now enjoys. Like, and it was a one two punch cr- between mm-hmm. being John Malkovich and adaptation, sort of got him where he is today, so to speak. And you're arguing that that's less courageous. I'm oh, arguing I- that it's less courageous of us to cover being John Malkovich. Cause, or smarter is another way to put it, because more people enjoyed being John Malkovich than will enjoy I'm thinking of ending things. That's all I was getting at. Despite the fact that I will actually argue now, having watched, I think, all of these movies now multiple times, even recently. Sure. um, I'm I'm thinking of ending things is maybe his best outside of Schenectady, uh, Schenectady, New York. I actually have really, really grown to love that. And I'm interested to find out about that someday. But for but now, <laughs> let's, talk right. about let's the, get back to I the will, episode we're talking about. I will agree with you yeah. with the idea that uh, being John Malkovich, I, I won't say it's a more mainstream pick. It's it's for sure, if for sure as a movie. It is still pure Kaufman. It is still super weird and super amazing for what it is. So, uh, But it is not yeah. nearly the mainlining, you know, it's, it's Kaufman- cut with spike jones it's not kaufman purely melted down and snorted it's not yeah. yes yeah, 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 yeah. and what That's else right 
And I wasn't uh, kidding. That really was my takeaway watching it this time is like we just covered Dark City, which was a movie that has been a favorite of mine forever. And I've wanted to cover on this show for a long time. And when we finally covered it, I was like, this is still this is very good. But watching it as an adult, um, the luster wears off a little, mainly because there's long expository sequences. And now that I'm an adult, like as a little kid, I appreciated those. But as an mm. adult, I'm like, let's skip through this exposition. But in uh, being I'm not kidding around when I say this is my Star Wars. I remember being a kid, my dad taking me as a kid to see being John Malkovich in theaters for some weird reason, which is probably why I am the way I am. But uh it blew my mind in terms of like for my money this was the movie that hit me at the right age that made me realize that film could be brazil made me feel this way too film could be a fanciful wonderland of like who knows what's gonna happen next that's like spectacular from beginning to end and Mm -hmm. uh i loved this movie immediately i still love it even though watching it again for the purposes of this podcast in some ways, as I say, I see it as like structurally more, it's less self-indulgent. Let's say like, Abe, do you like this one better than the Kaufman's we've covered yes. in the past? Okay. So when we were talking about the hundred percent Colombian, uh, Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, like I love the 60% cut version. Like to me, this adaptation uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Now we're talking, baby. This is perfect Kaufman. So Kaufman so tempered by another strong artistic voice. Yes. Because Eternal it, Sunshine's Gondry. Yeah. I think that he has flaws the deeper he goes in. I think... Rather, it's more like my kind of unified theory of, uh, of Kaufman is that uh, it's more playful... The more playful he is, the more he is the guy that wrote The Simpsons or like was a writer for The Simpsons, was a writer for, you know, like uh, like when he did like sketches and stuff, you know, like um, what else did he write for? Seinfeld. Um, I did. Dana You're Car- blowing my mind right now. I Dana didn't know Carvey, the Larry Sanders show, Dana Carvey show. Yeah, he was he worked with like Lucy K, Robert Smigel, uh, Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Like that. That was his start. Um, and the more he kind of conceived of the world as like, how can I do simple like sketch jokes? Um, and that was a part of his DNA, uh, the better, the more when he's like, the more when he's like trying to look into the deepest depths of the soul, I think it gets away from him. Um, but he's so very good with structure and all the things that you guys are saying. Uh, I'm not going to take away from the fact that, like, I really like this movie. Yeah. All right. More so than hard ones. disagree, except about that last thing you said about liking the movie. Brooks, could you tell the uninitiated in a nutshell what you think being John Malkovich is about? What it's about or what happens in the film? Because this is uh, one of the reasons I like this and I prefer it heavily to uh, say Spotless Mind, as an example, is it is an, a film that is absolutely, and anyone can agree, it's visually its own thing. It's stunning. It's a movie. But the implications of it and what it's trying to get across, what is the nature of being John Malkovich, the nature of being ourselves, being anybody? Uh, are we, uh, as an ego, as a centered ego, do we have such a thing that is controlling us like a puppet? 
Uh, is that a thing that we could, in theory, just sort of displace and replace with something else? Or is there something more complicated that makes us who we are? Uh, and you think that so this they, film investigates that? This is this is that this yeah. is the movie. This is the whole movie. I but would say think, so. In the way, same way that okay. syn- it's a proto synecdoche in some ways, or as even though it is simpler, it, what stood out to me is the way it's very allegorical. For example, Maxine. So we should at some point say what happens in the film because I well, don't that's, think that's, everyone that's will have seen it. I, that's yeah, what I was go saying. for like, it. Go we, for we need it. to go start somewhere so we have like a basis. So um, the the core sort of underlying thing here is this uh, guy Craig. Uh, and as John Cusack, uh, he, he, he's a shitty puppeteer who kind of doesn't have a job. Um, he goes and finds a portal inside of a rather extraordinary building, uh, the way that it's set up, uh, that allows him to literally like see out of the eyes of John Malkovich for a bit and then end up in the Jersey Turnpike. Like that's the that's the point that's the plot yeah. of the movie. Like actually, be John Malkovich though. Like feel his sensations, kind of be a passenger. Well, it, 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 I mean, this is this is the question that we will get. I mean, to they that. literally say that in the movie. Right? I know they do, but I don't. Okay. I, I I I think that's a phrasing thing. I think there's a there's questions to be had there. But regardless, okay. uh, so it's it's a story of him. Learning Depends what, might... what your definition of is is, is man. It, it he, does. He, <laughs> he, he he tells uh, this girl he likes, or uh, and then it it becomes this sort of large scale, you know, exploration of uh, people going in and out of John Malkovich's body mm-hmm. and trying to find themselves in it. Ultimately, they find out that this portal and the whole thing is set up by a guy who's kind of been jumping in and out of bodies for a while uh, because mm-hmm. that's how he's become immortal and. Uh, you know, Malkovich is the next one. And it's kind of the story of how that gets out of control as people start to learn how to actually become John Malkovich and take it over for more than 15 minutes at a time. Right. Uh, and, and kind of play within that. And it's, yeah, the last, that would be the last, um, uh, bit would be the, uh, I guess the, the arc that happens with the Le- Dr. Lester, which the prestige, is prestige, if you will, he was the guy who f- made the building. He also, uh, found the portal, uh, and it's not just John Malkovich, though it is at this time. Uh, there's a kind of, and I'm sure we're going to unpack this a little bit more. I'm, I'm sure it's, it seems like it's rife with meaning. There's but a little there's a system in place system. Yeah. where at 44 <laughs> years old, um, the, the mind that is currently in the portal, uh, you can uh, take over if you're there when they turn 44. Um, and it's just random, like, don't know why, but that's just true. By the way. And then, who do you and think then it kind of switches to another person, usually a child? Yeah. When they who, when they reach, I guess, forty four. Who do you think drew that artwork? Lester himself or one of his progenitors? Like who painstakingly drew that book with the vessel and the instructions? I think it's probably one of his acolytes. You know, the people that he's going to bring with him. Yeah. You know, I guess I'd love a whole. Well, I or wouldn't. Maybe he's good at it. Love he's, this because there'd be no point to it. But I wonder yeah. what kind of weird, freaky cult shit Lester, because that's a power dynamic. I mean, right. come on, you gave them immortality. Uh, oh, and your yeah. your true identity, because he says, "I'm Captain So and So," who we saw in the educate or in the orientation video. So he's actually 
like a guy from the age of northeastern whaling who bought this building like that's who he originally mm -hmm. was he's still right. that guy um another quick question just to get the technicalities out of the way so the uh their child becomes the next vessel the child ultimately produced by malkovich's semen while lottie was inside his body connected to Maxine's womb that produces a child and that child's the vessel. So does that imply that I don't think it's any, just any child. I'm just wondering, was the previous vessel John Malkovich's parents? Like is the Malkovich line, the line? It's been the Malkovich's the whole time. And he just happens to be famous. Well, so I, I would, one, I would take issue with the idea that maybe necessarily it's Malkovich's uh, DNA. I know, I know, just let me finish. Uh, is so it Lottie's DNA? Well, so this is, I mean, the, the, the implication of the scene where all of this is explored is that the child is from when uh, Maxine and Lottie uh, had sex while Lottie was Malkovich. Was in Malkovich, yeah. And the child that comes out, they make points to show that it definitely doesn't look like Malkovich. Like, he's got a very distinct look and feel, and the child has soft features. And again, this is stuff that Kaufman... I know cares about all like, children have soft features. Come I, on. My point would be that we've got literally the whole film is about how everyone can start looking like Malkovich. They make it a point because it's Jones who's filming the entire thing and directing it to make people look literally like him. And we don't do that with the child who in theory could actually be his progenitor. So I think there's, but my, I didn't that, necessarily run with that the same way. I think, but that interpretation would, then then there's no I don't like that either because then there's no logic as to who is the vessel why that would just mean why, it was them at random or at, at at random it was that child why is it the child that's so intimately involved in right his it's story? telling us there's a system at 44 eight years of age this happens well while you're t saying that information you're like also this child is the vessel new vessel I'm just okay. saying why that child why and do does you that know imply that, that, that Malkovich's parents yeah. were the vessels I think it's before? In I think it's intentionally, uh, I not don't give important. a shit. This is not important. I think that's the answer bullshit. is that he would say, this is not a sci-fi movie. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but just because we're cra ex cracked people, I have to do one more and then I'm done with this shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but do the two moms, wouldn't the two moms know that when their child turns 44, anyone could wander into that portal and become it even before then mm -hmm. couldn't people go into the Lester building and become their child. Wouldn't they want to shut the portal down or something? They don't seem concerned about shutting the portal down. Yeah. None of this matters, right? Not That's at what all. Kaufman they don't say. seem to care it's at all. It's very confusing to me. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Let's move beyond the system. Cause it's not about the system, but as Brooks alluded to in the, I think what's so fascinating about it and what Kaufman does so well is he stacks density of symbology to the fucking rafters, dude. So uh, as Brooks alluded to, I think it's very, the point of the film or the most satisfying thing I took away was this idea that, because the people are archetypes, right? Like Maxine is the betrayer. She's not really a full wound, round, fully rounded character played beautifully by Catherine Keener. Oh, my favorite. Um, God, she's great. I think the best. She's Next like, to Malkovich himself, like the best yeah. performance in the film. Oh, oh, and. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is this not Malkovich's best role maybe ever? 
And he's one of the best actors ever. I and he's know. done Hamlet and shit. But I don't yeah. know. This is pretty fucking it's good. It's pretty fun. And honestly, Especially- I will say, I don't think it's possible. Like, and I, I don't mean this to be like an ass. I don't think it's possible that this film would be as good if it wasn't someone as, like, specifically with the qualities that John Malkovich has as a mm-hmm. as an actor, as being a fucking weirdo. As, oh, it mm, had to be John It had Malkovich. to be John Malkovich. And that's yeah. the part that's like, how? How'd they get him? And he's so good. You know, like, he, yeah. he talks about it that, like, he actually... His imitation like, of John Cusack is spot on. He does a face-off with He's incredible. But if it was, <laughs> yeah. like, it was if it was being anybody else, I don't even know if the film would even land. And the studio itself was considering, it was pitched many times back at Kaufman and company that uh, we use someone else, a bigger, you know, person. I think famously they said, like, why why can't it be fucking being Tom Cruise? Because oh, that gee. would get more money because it would have Tom Cruise oh, in the title. Boy. You could and have done being Christopher they were Walken. They like, no. <laughs> being Christopher Walken might have worked. It, like, yeah. it has to be like that kind yeah, of... Yeah, it has to be... Although I have a hard fringe. time believing Christopher Walken could impersonate anyone. No. I mean, yeah. no, he does Christopher Walken <laughs> as his impersonation. I think it's because we have this conception of Malkovich having the soul of an artist. Yeah. Whereas I'm pretty sure we have this conception of, uh, you know, Christopher Walken is the soul of like, a like a weirdo, <laughs> a, a scarecrow or something, right. like something that makes no sense to us. But the point, but the symbology point is, uh, it's got, it's about a puppeteer. That's the most, I mean, that's the most obvious, right? It's about being a soul in someone's body and eventually making a puppet of them. But oh. it all, they also, uh, all the plot points involve some aspect related to that theme that complexifies it. Right. For example, Elijah is a monkey that blurs, you know, monkeys blur the line to some in the classic debate between where is the line, what has a soul and what doesn't have a soul. There's a Mm -hmm. bird that talks, which is also a tricky proposition when you're arguing about what has a soul, what has sentience. He ends up putting his wife in a cage, uh, you know, controlling and, you know, constraining people's movements. And I know you go, Oh, but my point is simple and it is simple, but the layering and elegant connecting of, simple symbols to an extreme I think is still impressive in a virtuosic way. And I think this achieves that where it's like you can watch the movie and just think it's a funny idea for a comedy for that's weird and offbeat. But then you also realize if you want to, that the seven and a half floor, that's literally also on the theme of constraining your movements. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, architecture dictates the way in which our sentience navigates Yes, that's simple, but it's it's crazy the uh, slavish attention to making everything fall under the banner of the theme that you're working with. And basically that just leads me to like this trance-like state where I'm sitting there watching the movie meditating on uh, where does my consciousness reside? Like something interesting that I ended up Googling after watching this, and I think this is what the is great about the movie and meditations on this topic of like puppetry. Um, I was looking up because I don't know about you fellas, but I feel like my consciousness resides behind my eyes, and I believe earlier we referred to someone as looking out of Malkovich's eyes, which I guess is implied by a camera also, but the optic nerve, you know, just because sight is such our primary sense and, and 
I think because the other things are attached to our head. You think of your consciousness as residing in your head. But I was wondering if someone born blind and deaf feels their consciousness as residing in their fingertips. And indeed, there's some stuff online about maybe some people claim that they do. But anyway, the point is this movie led me to a deep meditation on consciousness, how you can dissect consciousness, where consciousness uh, is, if it is at all, as Neutral Milk Hotel said, how strange it is to be anything at all. And like where, you know, whether that can shift around, like Brooks was saying. And so I'm done like lauding it, but I think that's what it does. And my proposition is basically being John Malkovich takes an obvious symbol which is puppetry as an as a analog for controlling our human bodies and then uh, broadens it and generalizes it and applies it to everything so thoroughly that that's mm. an interesting exercise. Well, so I really in, like the, no, go ahead. and just I just wanted to throw in because I know Brooks wants to he's champing at the bit but uh, a little bit a little bit. But uh, I just wanted to throw in what I liked about it um while we're doing that. I like that this whole thing feels like a 2012 sketch, like internet comedy sketch, late internet comedy sketch. It unravels things uh, at like by picking the most literal threads, like having John uh, Malkovich enter his own brain or having that section where it goes like eight years later. And then we just assume that the couple Maxine and, you know, like that they have worked everything out and they're now living as John Malkovich. Not only that, there's genuinely hilarious moments like the one you alluded to earlier with the monkey where he has a flashback that reveals the psychological trauma that just seemed like a throwaway line earlier in the movie. Like we look through the eyes of the monkey and see this little like documentary film. Uh, these it reads like impulses. a Simpsons joke. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. There's a few times that it, that's exactly right. And uh, it's more playful than most Kaufman movies. I think maybe adaptation is his masterpiece in this regard, but um, it, this, and the, I don't know. I just think that there's a system, like there's an involvement that this film does uh, on like kind of the cellular level of the script of like, I'm going to keep zigging and zagging. Um, that makes me very ha like, makes me like, okay, this is something I can actually bite into because uh, it's not only is it funny, but it, and it may, and it makes me like uh, enjoy like the people on screen and enjoy the actual like medium. But also I can, I don't have to sit and dwell on some of the ideas like I do in the other films. I do like meditative film, but yeah. I do think that his concepts are not necessarily as broad in this movie as some of other films that necessitate the meditation. Does that right. make sense? No, totally. Was, the sketch escalation I, is an amazing mm -hmm. observation. And then I'm going to shut up for like so long, Brooks, I swear. No, but no, you're good, Michael. Because sketch, it, no, your, your point, your point mm -hmm. you made, and I think Abe's point, it falls right into what I was going to say, which I'll just say really quickly, which is that this film and the reason I liked it when it came out, and I actually think I like it less now. It was one of my favorites the first time I saw it. I was like, holy shit. Just like you, it had like, it wasn't my Star Wars. My dad didn't take me, but like, this was like, wait, this is, wait, what? Like, you can do what with movies? Like, I was young. It was weird. Yeah. And, and it was like, okay, this is different. Mm -hmm. And but it wasn't like Synecdoche where as a kid, you'd be like, 
is life that grim? Is that how depressing shit is going to be? It's, it's, it's not I, I necessarily. I actually don't even find synecdoche that depressing. That's awful. Okay, but, well, but, I but, do. No, my but, point is, and I my think point you is, see why most people would, but um, but this one is not. But go ahead. Well, no, no. Well, this one is not. But I would say the 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 concepts in it and the philosophical ideas that it's trying to get across are incredibly simple, and they're very mm. base level. It's uh, they do a lot of things in this that he doesn't do in other of his films. This and Eternal Sunshine are the only films really where the concept is about having sort of a centered ego, a pure subject, a soul as a as a thing. All the other movies are more about multiplicities and playing with the idea of becoming as its own thing rather than as a centered subject. So this is stuff that is very broad, very basic at a core level. But uh, how to put it, as you start getting into, let's say, because my thing for the last year, I've spent uh, you know, breaking down the works of Deleuze and Guattari and playing through the idea of the not only decentered subject, but that the subject comes after who I really am and that I barely exist through a multiplicity and a whole bunch of other types of philosophical thinking that I fall in love with. And this was like, hey, that's this is a cool movie. But the, the philosophy just doesn't hit me in the same way as it did because it was more, I don't want to say basic, but I think that's a fair way to put it. It's I th- Is this... A way to put it, I feel like as a storyteller, Kaufman designs fractals in a lot of ways. And this is that fractal, just it's only crenellated one or two, you know, nodes versus like you zoom way in and you get a synecdoche New York that's highly fractalized. This I, I one, would say, I don't even know if I would say this one's necessarily fractalized. This one's more like yeah. uh, Anomalisa. More like Anomalisa that's also not fractal. That is. I just really a... think the pairing is mm-hmm. shine of the spot. I mean, everyone picks different words to emphasize, but because uh, it's about, yeah, like you said, this one and that one both assume there's a soul and give you a simple fable like, what if your soul works like this? Let's see how that would go. Let's escalate at one level. I think Abe was spot on with the sketch escalation description. And then like, here's a way to twist it that you didn't think of. What if he went in his own portal? Which by the way, that is the that is the equivalent of the joke that every young comedy writer always pitches first when they like uh, top 10 things to stuff in a turkey. Another smaller that's, turkey. That's exactly the joke I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. And that this is the this one and Eternal Sunshine are kind of I think along that basic level. But he's showing his he's showing his uh, chutzpah and his skill in the execution of the thing. And you know, like this movie has lines in it or runs in it that I think are as impressive as Simpsons runs. I think my favorite moment in the entire movie, it's not a, it's not crystallized in a one line. It's a run of lines. It's, um, I can't give up the portal, sir. It's my livelihood. It's my head Schwartz. It's my head. I'll see you in court. What makes you think I won't be seeing what you're seeing when you see me in court? Heads up, Malkovich. Ping. Fuck. (laughs) Just the addition of the Simpsons-like runner that then someone driving by throws a can at his head, and they know that it's John Malkovich. They say, heads up, Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And like- It's Simpsons. And he does not- like if you look at, I'm thinking of going over there, or I keep forgetting the name of I'm his. I'm thinking of ending things. Thinking of ending things, man. <laughs> there's no jokes like that in it. 
No, and I, 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 there's I almost I don't even know if there's a joke, but I would also I, yeah. say the, one of the things and this uh, Jesse this, Plemons has moments of levity, but go on. Not not like the not like the hey, not, not like pitch. this. No, no, or the, like or the looking around jokes. the restaurant and everyone turning into him. Like, yeah. Hey, like there's, Malkovich. Malkovich Scott, there's Malkovich. some amazing moments, but I, I I'll, I'll take another step. So uh, I as I finished this last night, I was just like, oh, God, because. I actually have some negative thoughts on the film. Like I, I, I loved this film. I really did. And I've watched so much other of Kaufman stuff and a lot of other mm. things. And with this, this film specifically stands in a place where I not only Kaufman has a lot of characters I don't necessarily like, but I feel for, I don't like or feel for anyone in this movie. No, it's just a big, loud, dumb fable like Star Wars. That's kind of what I mean by comparing it to Star Wars. I I agree with you. I also don't give. I also don't care for m- most Kaufman protagonists. Yeah, I, it, so, but it's not even that I don't. Smart like, for the course. Let Let's take. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things, which we'll talk about another time. But very simply, that's not a protagonist that you end up liking. Like no one in the world will like him. Uh, no, Anomalisa, nor Anomalisa. Yeah, same thing. Uh, there's aspects yeah. of uh, in Synecdoche where the characters, you will not like them, but you feel their humanity and you kind of like either pity yeah, you or you understand feel, them. Yeah, you, there, you have moments where you're like, you get it. Never mm-hmm. once in this film. Like it was from the beginning this time around, I was fairly disconnected through most of it. And I think like I feel like Charlie I like Sheen, I think, is the first person in it that like felt human to me. And, which is <laughs> fucking weird. Uh, but yeah, Charlie Sheen lives in a grounded reality. I think Malkovich feels human. Oh, I, Malkovich I, does as well. Malkovich to does degree, too. Yeah. Fair, fair, but but also, but also like there's a there's a level of uh, the comedy that you're speaking of undoes a lot of that for me. Where it is hmm. at no point uh, inside of the film do they make an excuse or a reason that things are going to be slapsticky comedy funny. And I I like the humor, but it hmm. doesn't it doesn't do anything for me this time around. Like it made me laugh and I still like really love the visuals and I've like at, at a imminent sensational level, I really enjoy parts of this movie, but mm-hmm. thinking about it, I, the philosophy isn't as interesting as it once was the characters. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't like, and also kind of don't even like care about like they mm-hmm. kind of, if, if all of this switched, if at the end of the if at the end of the Talk entire movie, everyone like musical chairs rotated a position in terms of how everything resulted, it changes nothing, and that's not good. See, well, then you got that Futurama episode with the Harlem Globetrotters where they all swap brains. Oh, it's a great episode. The uh, what you're saying, Brooks? That's uh, that's how I feel about most Kaufman movies. Like I, <laughs> so I, fin- I, I finally I, I, I get to be Abe on this one. I'll be I'll be, be the yeah. Abe. I that's the thing I like this movie for what it is which is like kind of that slaps uh, stick like it made a, it was it's kind of an important film in this grand scheme of things uh, we oh, kind of mentioned I think that there's shades of that. yeah it, there's it oh I think it set off it set a whole tributary like this is the one that identified this dark comedy tone that right other people have come in the wake of i think there are a lot of indie films like i'm trying to think of the one i would actually really quick i would add a Mm -hmm. a, a, one modifier to that because to me this is the first time where we could and spotless mind did the same thing where like indie film had a new meaning like Mm -hmm. 
prior to this, uh, indie films were seen as literally that, like right. a dude with an eight millimeter camera or like this was big name actor, super weird, really high production value, theatrical right. release that I could go to with friends who I don't mm. go see indie films with. Like this was like that, that elevation of this that honestly changed. I think yeah. a, like it's an important Popular. film in terms mm-hmm. of like the meta narrative of what film no. is. Yeah, and even though I'm having trouble thinking of my ideal uh, dis- my ideal example, which is a Jesse Eisenberg movie where he works at a mundane office building and he starts to realize there's another guy who also is played by Jesse Eisenberg who works there. Uh, but my point is it created a subgenre of indie film and elevated them to the public consciousness for sure, which was like the dark fable. I, I know they've ex- they existed before, but it is a... It is a film that helped popularize the dark, weird fable. And I can agree with that. that. A a film like uh, Enemy wouldn't exist without that. Yeah, I agree. Also, on the other spectrum, uh, you also, the power of the pitch. Pitch, this is the unpitchable movie. They talk about it. There's a whole story in kind of behind the scenes about just like, how do you, there's no movie like this before. How do you get like a studio to like give you money? And it was, you know, wrought with a lot of problems and it got very lucky uh, because they were already pretty well connected into the, you mm-hmm. know, Hollywood underbelly. But uh, that's less interesting. More interesting, like, I think it's more interesting that the fact that this pitch got delivered to people and people were at a point in, uh, you know, like 1999, we're at a point where they were like, oh, uh, I'm receptive to this. But I don't believe that you get something like uh, the recent like Psycho Gorman or something like that without something like this. The meta, the meta of it all. The idea where the pitch itself is like, wouldn't it be fucking crazy? Or like, uh, you know, like most like the career of Nicolas Cage currently, (laughs) you know, like you wouldn't get that shit because people fell in love with this idea of like, fuck it. It, What is this movie? What is this fucking movie? Like, why is this movie being made? To some extent snakes on a plane. Uh, like it's just, it's a seminal postmodern flash paper. (laughs) It's flash paper. It's just this idea of that. You can just have a bunch of fun. Um, I know that you had comedies doing that and this is a comedy, but, uh, it's the idea that you can dress up a comedy like something completely else, not even say it's a comedy. This is not, uh, this is Spinal Tap. You know, uh, this is like, oh, this feels like something like Spotless, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Feels like kind of like, wait, yeah. uh, this is like a romance? Is this well, kind of like, even Eternal Herald Sunshine? Of like, what is this? Feels safer because it's still hermetically sealed in a little fantasy universe. The meta aspect is. Is, was so spectacular at the time. I think it's hard to appreciate maybe if you're like listening to this and you're in your early twenties, but like, like they're saying, which is so dumb to say because it seems so old hat now, but it's like, you couldn't pitch that or <laughs> a thing that's recursive with the name of the actor in the title. Why would we invade their life like that? Or their life, they must play a character. This was one of the first times that were like, ah, fuck it. A movie could be anything. Uh, a part of it will be real or quote unquote real. Like, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen style, essentially like John Malkovich 100%. will play himself, but he won't be himself. The, the, that was not really done widely or definitely well, and, not with this big of a name or budget behind it. Well, and, and I'll say for in terms of structure, that's the mm-hmm. other thing that this is, this does not have. 
I mean, it does in itself, but in terms it of like, structure, but put, yeah. it, put it up against like Eternal Sunshine as an example. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine has like a three act simplistic structure. My mom loves that movie. Nothing against mm -hmm. my mom. That's great. She loves it. It's a good film. But mm -hmm. this is not a film like this is not a film to follow. Like this is not a saves the cat, you know. No, like, not exactly. Not Sid Sid Field. No, it's like, more no. like five sketches in a row with different escalating it just, premises. It's like Mr. <laughs> Show, which yeah. she wrote on. Yeah. By the way. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Yeah. I mean, just like Did, didn't Deadpool he write too. and take part in uh, the greatest Mr. So sketch, which was the uh, pre-taped <laughs> Colin Show. I think yes. Which is it is so. actually the best one of the best comedy sketches I've ever seen in my opinion. I don't care. What I don't know says. if he was a bar, part of it, but I uh, exactly. But it's up uh, there. I do know that he was like there for those years. For other weird year. comparisons, which I noticed for some reason this movie brought out. I guess because I secretly think it is more influential than we give it credit for. But uh, it's got a Brad. Pitt we just cameo. said that it. We just said it's a seminal film for I know, all of and, cinema. How is wait, that not giving enough credit? I'm, yeah. Which is why I'm. Don't you see? That's why these comments go here. I'm filing things correctly. <laughs> I'm going through my notes and shoveling all the stuff that that supports that. Um, it's got an amazing Brad Pitt cameo for comedic effect, which I think also could be one of the earliest ones in this. That is now a hallowed tradition. Is Brad Pitt is so famous that the joke is why would we why would he stoop to just do this five second bit you know deadpool 2 comes to mind but there yeah. have been several key uses of brad pitt in film in this exact way where you're like cut to brad pitt for five seconds what why the fuck would brad pitt get out of bed for this movie to just be here and this has a great one uh when uh katherine keener is like hogging the paparazzi at the red carpet and it just pans over and it was clearly was supposed to be brad pitt's shot and he's like i don't know who that was but whatever uh and uh in and there's of course the team america connection but i also think there's a bit of inception with them eventually going into Malkovich's subconscious to try and the alter that opens up a whole can of conceptual worms that the movie doesn't even explore that much because mm. now being in John Malkovich also can involve like what dreams may come being in scenes from his childhood. Yeah. You're in his subconscious, but they I don't go they into say. it that much, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's enough about how seminal it is. Brooks, if that's all right with no, you. No, no, no. I was just, <laughs> I was just laughing because when I thought you were referring to us when you said, uh, because we just don't give it enough no, credit. I I'm meant, like, how, how the fuck can we give it more credit? <laughs> I mean, historically, I still think society doesn't. Oh um, no, that's for sure. But they, I mean, this is one of those movies that again will take a long time before people recognize that. But I think yeah. personally, I stand by. This is the movie that made it so suburban people and you know normal white people could get into weird films this is what did that that's yep. true but it was a movement but this and it, spike jones was a part of that movement uh but yeah this one was like they knocked it out of the park and everyone kind of saw it you know yeah yes oh uh, there are two things because you guys were talking about the things you don't like i think it's kind of a perfect movie uh which abe probably will think is weird but uh there were only two things i flagged that i don't like or that i think modern day sophisticated kaufman let's call him wouldn't have done one is the line soon john malkovich will be just another puppet hanging by my workbench which feels like kaufman 
literally just caving and going, I'll throw in them saying the theme just in case everyone's dumb. Right. And he doesn't yeah. seem to do that these days. For example, I know a lot of people who didn't like I'm thinking of ending things because they don't understand what happened. Um, and Kaufman does not lead you through down the primrose path anymore. Uh, and then along the same lines, I just don't like how they used a quick television news montage to explain all the shit that happened with Malkovich. But that does support the main revelation that I'm ha- going to come away from this whole episode with, which is that that's also very Simpson-y. That you cut to a card that says six months later and you cut to, uh, you know, uh, the news anchor going like, I'm Kent Brockman. John Malkovich is a famous puppeteer now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had no idea that he had that that specific background and all the shows I love, like Mr. Oh, yeah. Show and Dana yeah. Carvey show. So yeah, he's a comedy writer. That's very interesting and makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and just makes me love him even more. It also mm-hmm. makes me wonder what kind of weird dark movies George Meyer would have made if we forced him. Dude, I used to lo- like, let me tell you how much I liked Charlie Kaufman. And it's so, it's probably weird to, ha- if you guys have listened to our Kaufman series, you know, as in we like, have a ghost our conversations now, yeah. with Brooks. Uh, he's one of the reasons I got into comedy. Uh, he's definitely, Michael, the reason that I got into the MQ, <gasps> which for people who didn't know, uh, that, that was the UCSD uh, version of like The Onion. And it's because I read once after. After I'd seen like this movie, after I'd seen adaptation that I was like, oh, uh, immediately, like in my life, I was like, uh, like got to know everything about Charlie Kaufman. And what they said is his early thing that he did is he joined the National Lampoon uh, and wrote like Mm. articles. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, I got to write comedy articles. Uh, And it's just so funny that that like as soon as I like got the comedy bug. Uh, he stopped having the comedy bug, and I was like immediately like, "Yeah, your stuff's less." I like the. And then old he became stuff. the serious bug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, God, I I laugh so hard in this that uh, I'm fat. I'm sad, and I'm fat, and yeah. it's two hundred dollars. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, w- yeah, uh, it's Earl so Brown, sketchy. Like now, now I'm seeing it as Simpsons characters. Like it could easily have been. No, a Simpsons now you've actually now fully ruined the film for me. You don't like <laughs> that it has some of the no, moments I, I, are Simpsony. I mean, like, dude, I I love the Simpsons and I I laugh at the movie, but so it is like here. I'll say it this way: being able to break apart a Kaufman Mill movie into a series of tropes is not a thing you you can you you should be able to do and it's not a thing i thought we would be able to do with this but slowly it's happening in front of me fucking magic like what do you mean everything should be able to be broke down i feel free to break down we've done it did we tried with synecdoche as a very simple example we can break it down but the meaning and all of the other stuff that really drives that there's complexity Mm -hmm. and oddness there i'm thinking of ending things I mean, yeah, yeah. when things, we're talking about if it if it's if it's I would argue he's stars he's only captured that once or twice. And they're the ones you just said, <laughs> like yeah. it, this is more terrestrial than divine. Yeah. But that's OK. Yes. It's still good. Not not. It's fighting OK. Any of that. Don't not get sad. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> point. Point well said. I just think it's. Yeah, to say it ruins it for you is a little. Oh, it's, well, well it's, I was already in a bad place with this because I finished it and it's like. 
I remember, and I was so excited. It's, it's been a while since I watched it. And uh, I really, really loved this film. Like it left me with an interesting, confused. I remember being kind of moved in a confusing, uncomfortable way by the movie. Like I, just, I was, yep. I remember leaving the theater and being, I felt like I saw something that wasn't dirty, but was more adult than I was supposed to see. And I was really, and yet it wasn't like scary. Cause like at that age, like sex stuff felt dangerous, but this just felt confusing, but not like repelling, confusing, just very interesting. And I was fascinated with the movie. And you know, I like think that girl ever at since. the beginning of the movie, right. Who's watching the puppet show on the street. And her dad punches. Uh, hey, John fuck Cusack. you, man! Yeah, hey, fuck you. It's, it's, I, that emotion I had, I did not have again. And I think there's a sadness. I yeah. think for me that comes with that because mm-hmm. I, it, I haven't revisited and I haven't watched Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. in ten years at least. I think it's because the philosophical question it begs. Well, I mean, it's just where I stand and it's just a gut feeling because I can't prove it because there's dark matter and shit out there and who knows what that means. But um, the thing that you could dig into with it at its core is if there were a human soul, it could shift around this way and that would be interesting, but there isn't. So it's kind of moot. Like it's not that complicated to dig into because I just don't, think there is um but, but even if but even if you, you get compare into, that to synecdoche where you pull apart and it's about the nature of human grief well human grief is real we can talk about that all day long and continue to unpack it forever and never reach mm-hmm. the end well and and if you want to just like throw out the spiritual argument let's talk about philosophically or psychoanalytic consciousness or the, whatever the idea yeah. of a singular ego the or ego. a cartesian subject is a thing yeah. that yeah it's kind of a thing like we uh, we kind of moved past that a while ago and there's a lot of thinkers who've really really done some amazing work to push us in different ways of sort of realizing thought and yeah uh that kind of thing as hey we have a soul and we trade souls is interesting and i i i think the film is still interesting it just doesn't have the philosophical knock-on effect that i think every one of his other films that we've talked about Absolutely does. Synecdoche 100% does still. Mm-hmm. Anomalisa even, which is a fairly simplistic, straightforward story, and I don't think super deep, but I think it has a really interesting implications that actually has knock-on effects. I don't just don't feel it for this one anymore. It, I think it's still de- an amazing movie. Like, it really deep, is, and everyone should see it. The deepest this one goes, and I do like what the statement it has, it's just it, things have been, like other films have made this statement as well, I think is that... Um, I think it's the most, honestly, I'll come back and say it's the most uh, self-aware Kaufman, I think. I think the more that he is unchained, the more he is... It's uh, humble. He, he, he likes the smell of his own stink. Um, because here, it's a little bit like he's just trying to say that egotism, especially, uh, in love, especially is destructive and we find that all of the flaws of the people in this movie literally all the big the the main hitters in this movie their egotism is what breaks everything down breaks uh you know the connection to a soul uh completely down that's the metaphor to me is that that you know you you open up this little hatch and you connect to an individual they all are starved of connection because their ego of their wants what they think they deserve gets in the way 
Now, I think that that's pretty simple, pretty clear cut. It's not, you know, not necessarily calling, you're not calling home about that. Uh, but I also do think that it hits on the point to me that Kaufman's characters who resoundingly name a char- like a Kaufman character in any of his films that isn't an asshole and isn't completely egotistical and kind of like cathartic. That is what he writes. That's what he thinks of itself. It's himself. It's very clear. I mean, um, Streep in adaptation, but... Yeah, not character like no, John your Malfoy points well taken. There's not many his of characters. Them. There's not no, many. He's, he's a he's a like, misanthrope. Here's a person. He's a who is like an archetype. Yeah, and he writes misanthropic, unlikable characters. But yeah, his that's people, his bag, man. Yeah, people who are like who are our, who are our protagonists, really. Yeah, um, yeah, that's his bag. Well, and he's self-loathing, nothing... and his protagonists often reflect aspects of himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And but I... again, I would say Craig in this Craig is not just unlikable. I find him to be mm-hmm. like flatly unlikable. Craven. Right. Oh, boring also. That's yeah. yeah. Like he's just boring. not, he's not interesting or he doesn't shit. even think twice. Well, they're very of, simple. The about, love triangle is as simple as it could be, but it does. Uh, there's a few things that were interesting to me for like, again, it's not a, I, there's a slight, there is a knock-on effect, but it's really easy, low-hanging fruit wins. For example, Cameron Diaz's reaction to spiritually being in Malkovich for the first time is realizing that they want to, that they're transsexual. That mm-hmm. invites interesting meditation and conversation around yes. the difference between your inner self and outer self as it relates to really the transsexual experience. But they don't really follow it up. They just, he's just flagging I like, you know, it's like oh, the, monkey thing. the theme is it's identity. Like, oh, oh, the theme yeah. is identity. Like as, as the consciousness identity, monkey is an interesting point. So I'm bird that talks is an interesting yeah. point. Gender reassignment is an interesting point. These all touch on identity, um, but like it practice. doesn't go. Di- it doesn't go hard. It doesn't go deep. Well, in and and it doesn't go. It doesn't go in what I would say. Normally he does. Uh, it, what he does is very sort of bi-univocal uh, one side or the other. It's, She's a woman. She goes in a man. I'm a man now. Oh man, I learned. I learned. I'm a man. Not the nuanced reality of what it means to be a gender or have gender dysphoria or be trans or be non-binary or deal with gender norms within society. It's yeah. Oh, I'm this. I'm that. Or uh, I'm attracted to you. One of the things I actually found really off-putting this time walking around, and it may just be that I was just in a bad mood watching it. It's hard to tell. Um, the people who control Malkovich are uh, the ones who kind of forced their way in and the idea of like strong yeah. will being a thing. And that's stupid. Like oh, that Cusack's just... will is so strong. He can puppet Malkovich. Yeah. yeah or that, or that Lester is the one who controls because he's stronger than all the people he brought now, with them. See, or... I think that's actually, I, I was going to bring that's good. I was going to bring that up as I think maybe the most interesting thing to pick up and turn over in my mind is how is the idea of the multiple people like it's a dozen or so people inhabiting the vessel at one time because That's that weird, invites yeah. questions of i actually do believe or this is where my metaphysical everyone has a different edge but this is where we reach my metaphysical edge where i'm like i do believe the barriers between our consciousnesses and the idea that we perceive ourselves as individual i think there's some unreality to that or some illusory oh, nature. Absolutely. I think there's some fuzziness to that. Uh, and I, th- and I think it invites meditation around the idea of 
could you put multiple consciousnesses into one body? Is my current consciousness a composite consciousness? Is there any way in which consciousnesses are ever linked or will ever return to a state of connectivity? Or the opposite is just as interesting. Am I a unique universe of perception hermetically sealed unto myself that is born from nothing and will vanish and will never contact your perceptive universe in any meaningful way? That's also interesting. So that is irreducible and interesting to think about. Yes, but, but again, the movie he does just, nothing with it. Like the movie just flags it as an it's, as a thing you could think about if you yeah, take it, it upon comes yourself. down to I'm the stronger <laughs> one, they follow me, I'm leading. It doesn't go into, for example, a simple question. Was Lester also a multiplicity? The body he's currently in. Right. But I, I would assume Are so. Are you talking to multitudes? Yeah. And it, will and so does that that's imply the case, humanity the around, will one day live immortally with all of humanity crammed into one body? Because that could Or happen, is it right? a really interesting way of saying that we are ultimately, those who come before us, we are a combination of all of them and the mm -hmm. people who've been part of us before our 44th birthday all mm -hmm. the people we deal with our entire lives, the strongest ones are the ones who actually impart the most control on us. And the weaker ones are the ones who don't, but we still have them with us as we travel. And each one right. of us is ultimately a multiplicity. And at some point we do seem to harden. And at that point, people may come to us, mm -hmm. but we do not respond back to them. Instead, they have to make their way to the new vessel and they have to find a way to carry right. on in a new voice. Right. That, that's exactly that's right. an amazing meaning. Ancestral memory makes a not have, that becomes you. Yeah. I reached up my own ass to find that. That's not something they talk about or hint at even in the film. Uh, I, I would give it to him that he hints at it. That's all he does. Hints at it. He hints at it. Yeah, that's He right. hints at um, it because there's multiple people in Malkovich. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, no, he's also pointing at it with the whole 44 thing. He's pointing at it. Well, uh, with and the, the fact whole, that like, the hive, I need you to look at me. Have you ever seen, have you ever made love with someone looking who adore you with two, with like two pairs two of people eyes? Who looking both through love the same you. Eyes? Yeah. yeah. Like it's that concept. Uh, uh, the Malkovich well. hive mind ends up marrying Floris, the receptionist who yeah. mm -hmm. Lester said he was in love with. But again, that just implies that Lester's in control. Which simplifies it, right. which you don't want. I do want to go back to that control thing you're talking about, Brooks, because I do are I would argue that um like I liked that uh like the more powerful egotistical people in this film uh are the ones who can control the artifice more. Because I think that that's a statement on people who subjugate others with their power rule. Uh, it's what Catherine, uh, Catherine Keener said uh, about passionate ones in this movie. She talks about there's that whole conversation when they're on their like threesome date that doesn't work out where she says, like, who cares? Who gives a fuck about those other people who aren't passionate? I only care about the people who like know what they want and then are going to go and get it. Um and that's her philosophy. That is why she's so self-absorbed. That's um, why she that's why she ends up going uh, when. He starts taking back over Malkovich's mm -hmm. body. She finds him attractive again because he's powerful exactly. and able to run it. I get it. And she doesn't care who it is. She she's also, just a want machine. She's just, she's just a want machine. And that's the basis level of like, okay, here's the most egotistical Well, dude, it's like a puppet a show. They're, but they're puppet simple, you know? Exactly. But Kaufman is saying here, this is actually everybody. Um, everybody's got a little of this and thinks this a little bit. 
thinks this about like the selfish nature of humanity. Uh, even if they do want to believe in the altruism of things, they do deep down know that people can take advantage of people like this. And that is what the, is the vulnerability in love. And that is what having a, uh, uh, passageway to another person's brain is doing by falling in love with someone or yourself. Um, you are, Yes, you can. It can open up and become the relationship of a lifetime, a true moment of clarity in any person's thought. It also can, if you self-absorb to that extent, though, you can become an egotistical Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. <laughs> so, but intimacy requires strings mm -hmm. attached. Like intimacy opens yes. you up to influence and therefore control by so others. But at the same time, yeah. yeah, you have to decide what the balance is. And I think that by him kind of posturing and saying like, yeah, so of course Malkovich is kind of owned by this power that for some reason, I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cusack has this power. I think he's saying like, yeah, because he wanted it so fucking bad. That was the one thing that we knew about him, even as a pathetic, cathartic kind of uh, shitty puppeteer, as you said, which by the way, I don't necessarily agree with. He's actually a fucking impressive puppeteer. Oh, yeah. He's just a his... shitty person and not good, like choosing right, good no, And he's exactly what Kaufman views himself as, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally yeah. Kaufman sneers at himself and says i am the artist whose ideas are so pretentious that look at this fucking guy he yeah, fuck look at him. this fucking guy exactly. um, which is funny because that's the charm of kaufman i think is he pulls off doing that while he is presenting pretentious ideas um but they're right. ideas that really do have merit they just happen to be complicated and sophisticated uh mm -hmm. Except in the case of being John Malkovich, which is a little simpler. But I still think he's doing the thing where he pretends a, presents a protagonist that's clearly him. Like, the puppet show that Craig makes is the movie being John Malkovich, right? Which then supports the metal loop again. Um, because he's out there on a street corner doing a stupid puppet show that people are going to look at and go, who's that fucking weirdo? I think that's... Kaufman saying, that's what I am. That's what this movie is. I expect you to look at this movie and go, what weirdo thought of this movie? Um, it's, it's almost cloying because <laughs> I think mm -hmm. in retrospect, it's, it's like going, it's like a weird kid coming into the room and going, I'm the weird kid. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. show, don't tell weird kid. I yeah. do think he has a little of that. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he always has, but I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all yeah performers I'll, I, I i'm a performer know. so i can say it he desperately wants attention to make him whole i'm sure yeah, we all do as we all Let's, do yeah. welcome to the welcome to being alienated as a human um the but for me again so i'll go back the the interesting stuff about this film that's still interesting is uh one of the things we haven't talked about and it's i just love your thoughts because it's the movie the film is called being john malkovich so the real question i'm going to ask is anyone actually ever being John Malkovich in this, or are they utilizing him as a puppet for their own being? I'd argue the second, uh, because he is a vessel. Yeah. Well, no, I would say at first, well, only Craig is puppeteering him. <laughs> then they're being him. I would argue it is consent, right? It has to do with, it yeah. does have to, it's an issue of autonomous control. If you are the puppeteer, then regardless of the body, I think the traditional view would be soul beats body. If you're the soul that's active, you are that thing. 
Yeah. So is anyone being John Malkovich or are they being Craig and John Malkovich's body? Which is, this well, the, is the one fun the part di- I like. Like at The what dichotomy point- you set up, though, is also entirely how you read the title. So, like, you, being John Malkovich, if you take that as to mean uh, what it is to be John Malkovich versus being John Malkovich, what it is to be acting like you're John Malkovich. Those are two, that's a dichotomy you yeah. can split up depending on how you read it. That's what you're pointing out. I can, I think it's kind of a double entendre. I, I think liked it's it. meant to be. I that. like that part. It's one yeah. of the, still, mm-hmm. I still, again, I liked so much of this film, but it just doesn't hit me the same way. I like, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like how clever that is. I like how clever it is across the board, but uh, actually clever is probably the right word because I was saying to a friend of mine that I think I've grown tired of clever. Hmm. Like, That's a I, very I feel that, man. clever I feel that. saying. I think it's uh, when you. Fuck you. <laughs> I think when you. I think look, life is a series of disciplines in, in my mind, and like when you get into a discipline so deep uh, that it's like that. Um, you know what it is? Fuck. It's that. Um, have you guys ever seen that comic where the guy stands on some books? Or no, he's <laughs> he's he's looking. It's like a. It looks like far side, but it's not a far side. He's looking at a wall and he can't see shit. And then he stands on some books and he sees like a. Uh, he sees like a horribly post-apocalyptic situation mm-hmm. where there's like you know, a city burning or something right. like that. And then he, and then he says, then "Fuck these books" or pain, something. And yeah, he's yeah no. And then in the third pane, he sees uh, he's got even more books, I guess, and he sees like. Um, uh, he's now in the clouds and he sees this heavenly kind of like cloud landscape. Uh, that's the original comic. There's pe- it's become a meme at some point where people say, and then even more books. I don't understand the meaning this. of the comic. Oh, you don't mean that? It's like it's the idea of if you're ignorant in the first stage, uh, you only see a wall. If you read a little bit, you see like the uh, the crushing reality of what made that wall. And then if you read even more, you are set free from like all of this. It's the idea of that knowledge and understanding comes with this kind of like ignorance. Like, it's not ignorance versus understanding. It's more of like understanding and like how you, how it like can set you free from some of the aspects of like you keep reading you keep reading i got you yeah uh but like it just reminds me of that like what brooks is saying is just that like yeah man uh when someone says like when i think like oh that's clever sometimes that is exactly what gets me into the rabbit hole of like that's so fucking clever i need to understand everything about and then sometimes you mean that's kind of annoying (laughs) and then other times like you've read enough or you've seen enough or you've thought about enough and you're like yeah 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 let's get past the clever shit (laughs) let's it's it's the great line from fight club oh it's clever how's that working out for you (laughs) how's that working out for you yeah that's great yeah, it's it is clever. I think that we have to remember and therefore treat as such. This is like sophomore shit what he's making right now, Kaufman and Spike Jones. Like um they're they're trying to make kind of like a uh diet soda of this thing that we then once we started going down the rabbit hole and it's like okay now we're getting into the the uh, the the hard Kaufman like the the adaptations and the you know like Anomalisa and stuff even uh that's not his even his best work but it's now we're really getting into it um this is reserved for the space of like let's introduce here's an introductory course yeah. And I think and, that's fine. Yeah. 
Abe, I searched stack comic wall meme ignorance, and all I can find is an old Marvel comic of an God animate damn. wall saying, no one can stop the wall. <laughs> and he's hitting an umpire with his body, which is a wall. But anyway, find it and send it to me later. I'll find it and I'll send it to you later. <laughs> that means I am out of things to discuss. Do you guys have final thoughts on Beach Malk? I have one last note because I didn't get to finish Please. my comment on being John Malkovich. I found a mm-hmm. quote from Kaufman that I wanted to be able to quote. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do mm-hmm. that and end it. Uh, quote, well, you are inside someone else's skin, but Craig doesn't have the experience of being Malkovich. He has the experience of using Malkovich. He uses him to be with Maxine, uses Malkovich's notoriety to get his own career going. So really, it's using John Malkovich. Yeah, I'd say it's using John Malkovich. And then he laughs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true about the Craig character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially once he starts exerting conscious control. But I wonder when you're a passenger, aren't you really being that person? You are experiencing their neuronal impulses, right? You're riding along. I don't know. Or is he really being that child? The essence of being, that's the essence of being a passenger. Look away. Uh, if you, if, you ever, if you ever want to, we can have a discussion all about decentered subjects. Uh, Deleuze and mm-hmm. Guattari have some mm-hmm. great writing in Anti-Oedipus and A Thousand Plateaus. We could go Hell over yeah. any time you want. Hell yeah. Hey, you Brooks, where can people find that if they want to listen to you talk more about those philosophers they, you just named? They can go on YouTube and search the Deleuze and Guattari Quarantine Collective. It's a group of almost 3,000 readers that are putting together 17 readings a week uh, and our wow. podcast and all kinds of stuff. So Simonden, Zizek. Uh, we have a Bataille group starting soon. Uh, of course, Deleuze and Guattari, Foucault, all those guys. So mm-hmm. Foucault. I know Foucault. Foucault's know great. Foucault. <laughs> Relevant as ever. Yeah. All but right, I mean, I, I, The last thing I will say, sorry, one yeah. last thing. The last thing I'll say is if- Wait, wait, like, wait. We'll put it behind the paywall. Okay, good. A bonus episode. All right, go. <laughs> there we go. It, if you haven't seen Kaufman, this is the place to start. Like oh, yeah. that's, this, this is the place to start. If you've seen all of Kaufman and not this one, be aware of that going in. Oh, I would watch it as a like, let's watch his roots and his early. Yeah, yes. for sure. Or if you just want to laugh because it's because f- it's straight, genuinely funny. It's it is genuinely funny. funny. Yeah. And yeah. no matter how many times I've seen it, there are scenes that will always make me just smile like a little kid because they're silly and fun. Yeah. Great mm. use of parrot jokes. Parrot jokes are a staple and there's some good parrot jokes. There's some amazing, like God the damn. implications of what it must have happened for it to and say. And the timing, what it says. yeah, and the comedic <laughs> timing is so exceptional. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not that twee of a film. No, like, I remember that shit. But. I was gonna write the note. Um, I felt myself wanting to write the note even before I started playing the movie in earnest. Uh, uh, seminal to Wes Anderson because I assumed it was that in my recollection. I don't really think it is. <laughs> I was yeah, pleased not, to be like that. that no, it doesn't actually happy. apply. Yeah, as I said, in it's our its own conversations, thing. I suggest that the word the I suggest that the world uh, burn all tweet shit. I like Wes Anderson, <laughs> but we can talk about that another time. Yeah. This is one I, I will, you know what I'm gonna side with Abe. All right, skip school, burn shit. Gain B-twee, <laughs> gain respect. Bye.
Bye. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!